What is up? Welcome back. How we doing, guys? This is the Sports Gamble Ramble SGR87. Today we're doing the 49ers, and this is an episode, if you can't tell by the energy I'm bringing today, I am very excited to do. I am absolutely balls deep in football mode at this point. It may only be August 13th. It may only be week one of the preseason. But this ship has fucking taken off and left shore at this point. I'm ready to go. Uh, Last night, Friday the 12th, I watched five preseason football games. That's what I do on my Friday nights, guys. And I'm sitting here on a Saturday morning recording an episode, and I'm getting ready to watch 10 preseason football games today. There's football from 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern time today. And this is what I do with my time, guys. So this is why I'm able to give you guys 45, 50 minutes on all 32 teams. I'm excited. The preseason has been fun. I hit a bet last night on the 49ers money line, so it is good timing to be doing this episode. I do have some takeaways from that game last night. Uh, Main takeaway overall being Trey Lance looks like a dude. And Trey Lance is going to be the main theme of this episode. I have quite a bit to say about the Trey Lance quarterback transition and the entire real process that's gone on in San Francisco over the last X amount of months. Before we get into it, let's talk about the game last night. 49ers won 28-21 over Green Bay. My thinking for the handicap here, taking the 49ers money line, more physical team, going to be able to run the ball in the fourth quarter, and that's exactly what happened here. I also like the depth at QB. Um, Nate Sudfeld is the backup QB and he played well last night for the 49ers. The offense was able to, you know, move the ball pretty consistently. Trey Lance though, let's talk about the first teams because you guys don't care about Nate Sudfeld or probably my preseason bets. Um, Trey Lance last night, I think he played two drives in total. First one not really going anywhere. Second drive, though, ending in a 76-yard touchdown pass to third-round pick rookie Danny Gray this year. Um, So Trey Lance, total stat line, 4 of 5 for 92 yards and a touchdown, one rush for 7 yards. And obviously preseason, you know, you can put up big stats, whatever. Um, You're just looking to see how comfortable he looks, and you're looking to see any flashes of potential and that 76 yard touchdown pass where he hit Danny Gray in stride down the sideline uh, ball was in the air maybe 35 to 40 yards obviously he didn't air it out the entire way maybe even less than that it could have been a shorter pass around 25 or 30 but it was beautiful touch pass down the left sideline hit the guy in stride Danny Gray looks like a dude I mentioned he's a rookie third round pick this year we'll talk about him later but the chemistry is already there making plays in the preseason and it's looking to me like everything is kind of coming together according to Kyle Shanahan and this 49ers plan. And I, and I call it a plan because this clearly was a plan from the get-go. The main theme for this episode here is the QB transition. And it is something that I have watched like a hawk ever since March of 2021 when the 49ers basically mortgaged their franchise's future to go and trade up to the number three overall pick in the draft. If we can go back and look at this, in hindsight, yeah, maybe Trey Lance looks like the obvious choice. Maybe you're still surprised by it. 
for some reason, every asshole on ESPN thought that Mac Jones was going to be the selection at number three overall, and I was not buying that fucking smokescreen for a minute. That was an absolute load of bullshit. Um, there's no way that this 49ers team trades a number 12 overall pick in 2022, uh, excuse me, in 2021 along with a 2022 first and third and a 2023 first. That's three first-round picks and a third to move up from the number 12 pick to the number three overall pick and switch places with the Dolphins to draft Trey Lance. They already had Jimmy Garoppolo on this team. What can Mac Jones do from a skill set standpoint that Jimmy Garoppolo can't already do for you? Do you really think that they give up three first-round picks to make a lateral move at quarterback? It was clear that Kyle Shanahan viewed this offense similar to some of the limitations that uh, maybe Sean McVay had with the Rams all those years trying to piece it together with Jared Goff, a guy that he never truly believed in. It just looks like a pretty identical situation. They had to make the upgrade at QB to get over the hump. This is a team that's been to the NFC Championship two out of the last three years and came up short in a Super Bowl appearance based really on Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to execute down the stretch in that fourth quarter. This is an offense that is well-oiled. This is one of the most efficient offensive systems in the league. They have talent around them with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, a great running game, and a top 10 ranked offensive line. What's holding this team back? Looks to be the game manager that's sitting under center there. So they had to make the upgrade. So they go and mortgage the future. And again, massive smokescreen. Mac Jones is supposed to be the pick. I don't want this entire episode to turn into me saying I told you so. I try and tread lightly here because, you know, anybody could kind of say, oh, I was on top of this. I was ahead of everybody. But, you know, I'm not lying to you guys. I looked at this situation and I kind of diagnosed it from the start. As soon as they had traded up in March, I said, that's not for Mac Jones, dude. It's either Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And we got, as we got further towards the draft process, more and more, I started to have my question marks around Justin Fields. And I started to try and put myself in a position, not as much as what are the public mainstream media saying or what you know, do other people think they should do? What do I think they should do? It's more about what is going on inside the minds of Shanahan and John Lynch over there in San Francisco. And it just looked more and more like Trey Lance is the obvious choice. I also want to compare this to the Patrick Mahomes situation. This to me was the exact blueprint, the exact same transitional process and thinking behind the switch of Alex Smith to Pat Mahomes in Kansas City and that was a major red flag once I saw the parallels between those situations I said it's Trey Lance or nothing for the 49ers at this point I actually went and placed a bet at plus 200 250 I don't remember what exactly it was a few weeks before the draft grabbing that uh that value because again Mac Jones was the favorite to be the number three overall pick and it made zero fucking sense to me so I went and capitalized on that I hit that bet because again it's a it's a process we've seen work recently in the NFL you take those Chiefs those 2017 Chiefs and 
you you look at that team, they're a very good team. They have all the weapons in place with an elite tight end, Travis Kelsey, with an elite deep threat, Tyreek Hill, with an elite offensive-minded head coach in Andy Reid. But they just can't get over the hump. They can't get past New England. You know, there's other teams, they can't get past the Broncos with Peyton Manning back then, you know, so... It's a thing where Andy Reid says, fuck, man, we're so close and this team's so good. What do we need to take us over the top? Let's go get the most freakishly athletic quarterback in the draft with the ability to extend plays and throw the ball 80 goddamn yards down the field. It looks to me like that's what Trey Lance is here. Another part of this where I get to say, I told you so, if you guys aren't sick of hearing me say that yet, is the fact that people, for some reason, wanted to draft Trey Lance in fantasy drafts last year. If you guys remember, Patrick Mahomes only started one game his rookie year. A lot of people think he came in and just dominated and threw 50 touchdowns his rookie year. He sat an entire year behind Alex Smith as was the plan from the get-go in Kansas City. They had no intention of just all of a sudden handing the team over to a rookie when they had a very capable, honestly above-average quarterback in Alex Smith that was able to facilitate a very effective offense for years in Kansas City. It was a big risk saying, man, we have something good in Alex Smith here. If this Mahomes guy doesn't turn into anything, we look like a total jackass here with this move. But you know what? In hindsight, I'd say it was a pretty fucking good move. The Chiefs go and win a Super Bowl two years later. Again, go back to Pat Mahomes' rookie year. He sits, he gets that week 17 start against Denver. He gets a win where he doesn't look like a total fucking joke. Did he look like a future MVP candidate? Absolutely not. But it was his first career start at the end of his rookie year. And the fact that he looked like he had the ability to play NFL football and was competitive in his game, not totally looking lost like other quarterbacks we've seen. Shout out Zach Wilson. Um... Anyways, uh, Mahomes showed competency and the ability, you know, potential. That's all we really need to see. In Trey Lance's two starts last year, we saw potential. We didn't need to see him taking over the game, but he looked like he can play at the NFL level. And what we saw last night in this preseason game, I really think that the guy's ready. This team has clearly made it uh, very transparent that it is a priority to make this uh, Trey Lance's team this offseason. Jimmy Garoppolo is the fourth quarterback on the deck chart although he's still on the roster he is a non-factor they are either waiting for a trade partner which it looks like there's no real legitimate offers or matches out there right now um, they kind of missed their window to trade him earlier in the season due to Jimmy's whole shoulder surgery and rehab situation it's kind of a mess there I don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy but what I'm saying is Jimmy's not a thing in San Francisco anymore. This is Trey's team, and it is absolutely identical to the transition that Kansas City made from Alex Smith to Pat Mahomes. The plan was to sit him for a full year and then take over and try and fucking launch this offense. That's what it looks like to me. I am uh, interested, to say the least, in this team and the possible uh, next level that this offense can jump to. Trey Lance, in his college career... Only 19 games played at North Dakota State. He played a full season in 2019, broke a couple of school records, and then 2020 sat out due to COVID. Shit happens. So he only played 19 college football games. Again, the thinking behind the draft pick, extreme athletic upside. He needs to be developed. He needs to sit for a year. He needs to learn. He needs time to acclimate to an NFL offense. 
all of these things are coming to fruition as we see the 49ers coming into this season and executing the plan exactly as I just laid it out. Trey Lance, actually just before this episode, I said, fuck, I, I wonder what Trey Lance's MVP odds are down to because he started back when Jimmy Garoppolo was the starter on this team in fucking uh, February or March or whenever the offseason started. Trey Lance was about 100 to 1 the MV- to win the MVP. He's down as far as 30 to 1 on some books. I actually saw an offshore offering 18 to 1 this morning, which I thought was egregious. I, you know, that's too low for me. I sat there and I said, 18 to 1, that doesn't make any sense. Let me check some other sources. I went to another book. I got a 34 to 1 on Trey Lance this morning. That was the highest price I could find currently. And I said, fuck it. You know, give me a bite of that. Because again, I'm not saying this guy is Pat Mahomes. I want to make that very clear. But the trajectory is there. We've seen the path for an offense that was kind of middle of the pack, some high upside, some good weapons, maybe some inconsistency, and maybe not reaching their full potential. And then insert more athletic, stronger arm, more aggressive mentality, quarterback who's looking to extend plays and go deep almost all the fucking time. And that's what I saw from Trey Lance last night. He does have the ability to scramble, but he also, I really noticed I was watching his eyes and I was watching him while he had to navigate the pocket. His eyes are downfield. He's got two hands on the ball. He's keeping a square stance and he's looking to fire that thing before he takes off. That is a massive, massive thing I look for in quarter. He's not just panicking and taking off with his feet. He wants to get the ball downfield to his receivers. I think he's got a fuck ton of potential. So I grabbed 34 to 1 on Lance MVP, and we'll see where it goes. The last thing I'll mention about this whole Lance Mahomes comparison is the fact that uh, Pat Mahomes' sophomore year, he had the most liability on on any sports book that year at 40 to 1 odds for the MVP. He ended up winning it. Trey Lance, highest liability, biggest shift in odds over the offseason for MVP on most uh, majority sports books. So it is a very similar situation. I've, if you guys can't tell, I'm in on the 49ers this year. We'll get to it. This is going to be a long episode, as you can tell, but it's. I really have been looking forward to this one for a while. Let's try and run through their offseason breakdown, because really, I just... The, the theme is Trey Lance. Let, the theme is Trey Lance. We're just, we're just getting it out of the way early. So last year, this team went 10-7, and seven, third in their division, sixth seed in the NFC, and then they got hot and went on a run in the playoffs. This was a team, kind of the sexy pick out of the NFC last year for a team that could kind of make a run from a lower seeding. It didn't hurt that they got the Dallas Cowboys in their first playoff matchup, right? Just the absolute most consummate choke artists in the league. Uh, Three playoff wins since 2000, but yeah, you're America's team. So let's keep going. This team covered at a 9-8 rate last year. Um, They beat Dallas in the playoffs 23-17. They beat Green Bay 13-10 in the divisional round, a game that I'm still angry about because I had some big futures on Green Bay last year. And then they lost to the Rams 20-17 in the most boring NFC championship game imaginable. The offense was 13th in points per game last year, 25.1. 7th in yards per game, 37 excuse me, 375.7. The defense tied for ninth in points per game, 21.5, third in yards per game, 310. Turnover margin tied for 22nd at a minus four rate. That's interesting. That could be potentially a thing that held this team back a little bit was the fact that their offensive and defensive metrics across the board were pretty strong, yet in terms of turnover margin, they struggled. Um, Coaching staff this year, 
Uh, offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel is now the head coach in <clears throat> Miami. So uh, they have not uh, hired a replacement OC. Kyle Shanahan, really the OC for this team. We all know it. What they have right now is a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator. Just real quick to touch on it, run game coordinator Chris Forrester. Uh, he was a San Francisco offensive consultant from 2019 to 2020, and then the O-line coach last year. He's now the run game coordinator. It's pretty typical. Um, you know, that offensive line coach in charge of the run game because he works the O-line blocking schemes. It, it makes sense. And then uh, passing game coordinator is a guy named Bobby Slowick. He was with Shanahan in Washington 2011 through 2013. Um, and then he also rejoined Shanahan as a offensive assistant for the last four years on this staff working with the receivers and quarterbacks. So again, you know, it makes sense. I don't really expect it to be too much of an issue issue considering Shanahan is is really the guy in charge of the offense okay key losses in personnel this team had a lot of names here most of them not that big so let's try and keep the pace up again in this segment the biggest loss for them, offensive guard Lakin Tomlinson signed with the Jets. He's a good offensive lineman. Defensive tackle DJ Jones. Uh, defensive end Arden Key. couple losses on that D-line. Um, cornerback Kawan Williams. Offensive guard Tom Compton. Uh, strong safety Jaquiski Tart all left on the defense. Um, Marcel Harris, another safety is gone. Contavious Street, a defensive end. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Raheem Mostert's gone after being injured week one last season so little ambiguity at the running back position Elijah Mitchell's the starter right now he really kind of broke out last year once Mostert got injured um who else here wide receiver Trent Sherfield I believe followed McDaniel over to Miami wide receiver Richie James I believe he's on the Giants now and running back Trenton Cannon don't really know where he is kind of an irrelevant guy that is uh, the the losses in free agency this offseason. And again, not many big names, some depth pieces, some offensive line pieces, um, and some wide receiver depth. Key additions, I mean, again, not many big names, so we can kind of keep the pace up. I want to, considering we talked about one player for about 15 minutes here. Uh, cornerback Chadarius Traverius Ward, safety George Odom, linebacker Oren Burks, Wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod, defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway, defensive end Kamoko Tracy, uh, defensive end Tyler, excuse me, tight end Tyler Croft, wide receiver Malik Turner, and wide receiver Marcus Johnson were the main additions. Let's keep it moving because not much to talk about there. I think Traverius Ward helps their secondary ideally. Uh, they re-signed a few guys, not many big names. Dante Johnson, cornerback, defensive end Jordan Willis, cornerback Jason Verrett, and running back Jeff Wilson Jr. He's the second running back on the depth chart, a guy that's been effective at times um, when filling in for injury. That running back room, it seems like uh, guaranteed at least two or three season-ending injuries every year. They just cycle through running backs, yet they keep producing because that's what this Kyle Shanahan offense does does really the probably the most effective zone running scheme in the nfl um really the ravens and the 49ers eagles last year as well although i think the eagles may be more pass heavy this year 49ers and ravens really the two most consistent zone and power run schemes in the league and you see it you know reflecting in their consistency and their results in the preseason a big reason to bet on these teams in the preseason is because they will just beat the shit out of you in the running game
And, you know, that's obvious that obviously can, you know, really help when you're in that fourth quarter and every linebacker on the field is a fucking former insurance salesman, you know, or future insurance salesman. Let's keep it moving. Um, The draft, you know, they didn't have a first round pick because they went and got Trey Lance. Their first pick in the draft was round two, number 61 overall off the board defensive end Drake Jackson out of USC. He's currently second on the depth chart behind Samson Ibukam at defensive end opposite side of Nick Bosa. Um, Round three, running back, uh, Tyrion Davis-Price out of LSU. It's interesting. This is a team we just talked about. Not much draft capital at the running back position. Not much financial investment at the running back position. Elijah Mitchell was an undrafted free agent last year who's currently the starter. So, I mean, one bad season, a couple of fumbles, an injury, and Elijah Mitchell could very quickly lose his job. They drafted Trey Sermon, I believe, in the third round in 2021 and Tyrion Davis-Price in 20. 20- <clears throat> in 2022 so uh i'm just saying we've seen basically a different starting running back for this team each of the last like four seasons and it's very possible it happens again just to tease our fantasy segment i have my concerns about elijah mitchell holding on to that job so uh what else in the draft i mentioned round three they took a wide receiver out of smu his name's danny gray and he ran a 4-3-40 he's a former collegiate track star he's the one that caught that 76 yard touchdown from trey lance and if you ask me there is a massive opening at that third receiver position in this offense i think there's potential for this team to carry three receiver sets a little more often this year again trying to open up that offense a bit i don't think that's something they do a lot of the time with jimmy garoppolo but i think trey lance gives you a lot more you know flexibility in what you want to do here um so right now the starting receivers are debo samuel brandon Ayuk, and then Jawan Jennings is that third guy, but if Danny Green or Danny Gray continues to impress, continues to show that he can take the top off that defense and allow Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk to work more of that short to intermediate, it could be a very uh, complementary piece to their wide receiver core. Uh, Round four, offensive tackle Spencer. uh, excuse me, Spencer Burford um, out of University, Texas, San Antonio. That's an awkward name. And then round five, cornerback Samuel Womack out of Toledo to round out the draft recap. Let's talk about this season. I've mentioned I'm optimistic. Uh, Part of that reason is because this team, compared to their biggest conversation uh, competition in the division being the L.A. Rams, you know, on our Rams preview, we talked about how the Rams have the second hardest schedule due to strength of schedule in the NFL this year. And it is brutal given the divisions that they play and some of the um, random, you know, first place schedule opponents that they have this year. The 49ers do not have that disadvantage. They have the 13th easiest schedule in the NFL. Their win total is also only nine and a half. And let's go through the schedule. I'll take the over on the win total. Nine and a half to me, this is a 10. This team won 10 games last year after really kind of struggling to start the season. And again, I'm sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo does nothing to impress me, really. I think Trey Lance already this year will be better than Jimmy Garoppolo has ever been in his career. So this team, let's talk schedule. They start out 2-0, Bears-Seahawks. Then we get a tougher one with the Broncos and the Rams. Then it's back to a couple wins. Panthers-Falcons. Then we go Chiefs, Rams again. Chargers, 
Cardinals, Saints. That's a tough stretch. Then we got Dolphins, Shanahan versus uh, McDaniel. Shanahan will win that one due to the coaching advantage. And then we finish Bucks, Seahawks, Commanders, Raiders, Cardinals. So that last month, not that terrible once they get past the Buccaneers. So again, you know, easy wins. I mean, we're talking Bears, Seahawks twice, Panthers, Falcons, Dolphins because of the coaching advantage, Commanders. I think they're better than the Raiders this year, most likely. We're already at like eight or nine wins right there. And then you just talk about them being able to snag some wins against teams like the Rams twice, the Cardinals twice, the Chiefs and the Broncos. I mean, if they even split those games, we're talking about an 11 win team here, I think. And I'm not, I don't think that that's out of the question. Uh, over for nine and a half wins is minus 145. If nothing happens in terms of like catastrophic injury or any sort of ridiculous, like maybe their facility gets hit by a meteorite over the next three weeks, I'm probably going to have over nine and a half for this team. The more and more research that I do, the closer to the season, the further we even get into this episode alone, the more and more I like this team to at least win 10 games games for sure under is plus 125 if you feel like fading my opinions um i don't know really why you're listening if you do but i guess go for it the odds to win the division over the last month have actually increased it was plus 200 it is now plus 175 and honestly i don't think it's the worst this the worst thing you can do i mentioned they have a much easier schedule than the rams i don't think the cardinals will be as good as either of these teams i think the seahawks are in a rebuild and i think that um with the concerns of the health of uh, Matt Stafford right now, I mentioned on our Rams preview, there's some serious shit going on with his elbow right now. They're calling it the rower's elbow, and it really could... I'm getting more and more nervous about that as well as we get closer to the start of the season. We hear, you know, Matt Stafford's not practicing, this and that. I, I'm just saying, you know, if Stafford's elbow is done, this team easily walks away with the division. Like, easily. And if the Rams are not a contender in this division... I mean, this team has the potential to go 6-0 and in their division. And if that's the case, look, I don't want to get too, too egregious with my, with my takes here. If the Rams are a non-factor, that we could be looking at the number one seed in the NFC with the 49ers. Based on their schedule, based on their division, immediately being weaker. If, the, if that's the case, this is a big hypothetical if. But if we take Matt Stafford away and the Rams just aren't good this year, this 49ers team has a clear path to the playoffs and a potential first round bye. I, I am really bullish on this 49ers team. And again, I didn't really even expect to be this going going this hard in the paint on San Francisco. But the more and more I just see the path to success being very, very clear. It's a very obvious path. If this team is going to be good, like I think I've laid out the reasons why. I, I don't even really have a devil's advocate uh, other than Trey Lance isn't good at football. And I, that just personally is not my opinion. I don't think he really has that many growing pains. Maybe early in the season, uh, it takes the offense a couple of weeks to get under their feet. I've said that before. But then I look at the teams they're playing. Dude, the 49ers might put 50 fucking points up on the Bears week one and just everybody all of a sudden, the league is on notice. You guys remember that 2019 season when Lamar Jackson just absolutely fucked the Dolphins week one? 
And all of a sudden, everybody said, oh, this guy can throw now too. And then he went and had a runaway MVP campaign. I'm not saying Trey Lance is the MVP. I don't want to blow too much smoke up his ass. But this team could come out and absolutely buttfuck the Bears and the Seahawks the first two weeks and put the entire league on blast. It's a possibility. That's all I'm saying. Their odds to win the conference, plus 750. Their odds to win the Super Bowl, plus 1,600. Seventh highest odds in the NFL to win the Super Bowl, despite the transition to a quarterback that's only started two games. The sports books know something. The sports books are confident in this team, and so am I. Their odds to make the playoffs are minus 220. Their odds to miss are plus 175. Only way it happens is injury, folks. This team, at the very least, is a wild card team in the NFC. Um, I see them, if the Rams do beat them out for the division, this will be the fifth seed. This will be the fifth seed in the NFC if they do not win their division. I want to book it right here on August 13th. All right, guys, let's talk fantasy. There's major upside for this offense. There's pieces that I'm very interested in. The honorable mentions here as we shift through the bowels of the depth chart, if you will. Backup quarterback is Nate Sudfeld. Jimmy Garoppolo will not take a snap for this team. Mark my words. Uh, running back situation I've mentioned, you know, Eli Mitchell does have uh, some nagging injuries right now. He is taking limited snaps. He did not play in their preseason game last night. And Again, it's been a, a constant thing for injury in this running back room over the last really four or five years, and there's not much investment in him in terms of draft capital or finances. So some running backs to be aware of, there's Jeff Wilson, who I'll talk about briefly with statistics, but not much. And then the other running backs here I mentioned, Tyrion Davis-Price, rookie third-round pick, and Trey Sermon, second-year third-round pick. Um they gave up on Trey Sermon super early last year, and Elijah Mitchell just, just outplayed him. But he's on the roster, and they spent a third-round pick. Trey Sermon, actually, last year, people were uh, actually drafting him as the starter in this backfield. Uh, him and Raheem Mostert, obviously. He was going 78th overall as the running back, 31 last year. And he's a non-factor this year, fourth on the depth chart. At the wide receiver position, I mentioned um, outside of Ayuk and Debo, we got a couple guys, you know, kind of competing for that third receiver position. It's Jawan Jennings, Danny Gray, and Ray Ray McLeod, slot receiver, special teams contributor coming over from the Steelers this offseason. Last honorable mention, tight end Tyler Croft and Ross Dwelly are the guys behind George Kittle. So let's talk. Trey Lance, I love him for fantasy this year, if you guys can't tell. He's going 104 overall, quarterback 13 off the board. He was being drafted QB 20 last year. People were taking the shot on him for some reason, thinking he would beat out Garoppolo at some point. I mentioned that was never going to happen. This is all part of the plan. Um, we, re we really can't give statistics on uh, Trey Lance. <clears throat> he started two games last year. He played okay. I honestly, I forgot to look up his stats from those games. It was nothing special. But again, it's a really run-heavy team. I think, you know, he was kind of playing with training wheels. I don't think they really took the, the full limits off him and just kind of let him unleash. And I don't think he was ready for that. And I think all of that makes sense considering he came from a smaller school, Division AA at North Dakota State. He only played 19 games in college, hadn't played football for over a year, sitting out in 2020. And he's a rookie, you know. It makes sense. 
I just think that he's going to be great this year for real-life football and fantasy. He is a rushing threat, and he has a strong arm. He has the weapons around him. I just think Kyle Shanahan is too good of a coach to have this situation not work out. Um, and I think that he'll put him in a position to succeed. He's got that rushing ability that at the very least I get, I think you get like a Jalen Hurts level fantasy season from him as far as what Hurts did last year. He's got that rushing ability. This is a guy that can get you rushing touchdowns around the goal line if they choose to run some read option stuff or some bootlegs. He's got all that athletic talent and he's going to be passing the ball and looking to pass deep. So going off the board at QB 13, honestly, I hope the guys in my fantasy leagues are not listening to this. He's probably my number one target in fantasy drafts at QB this year. That is the exact range I look for in my quarterbacks, and it is the exact athletic profile that I look for in my fantasy QBs in terms of, again, young guy with a potential to take a step forward, but you know that the rushing baseline is going to be there. It is the exact reason I took Jalen Hurts last year. It's the reason I took Pat Mahomes in 2018 in fantasy. Again, this is not about hindsight. Look at how great I am. I'm just saying it's a similar thinking process, which has led me to the decision to be in on Trey Lance this year. Going QB 13 in the 10th round, there's almost no draft you know, <clears throat> risk there. And you can even take another guy. Like if you want to go Trey Lance in the 10th and Matt Stafford in the 11th, go for it. Like, why not? You know, like there's guys there, Kirk Cousins, you can get Derek Carr, you can get at the end of your draft. And if Trey Lance doesn't work out, Hey, you got to back up. I remember in 2018, uh, my move was, uh, um, it was Pat Mahomes and Phillip Rivers because I figured Rivers was a pretty solid enough guy where if Mahomes didn't pan out, I, hey, I got you know a vet QB there. And I think that's something you can do if you're not willing to you know, go all the way in on Lance. I'm going to go all the way in. I'm going to try and snag him this year. I like, I like the idea. 22nd ranked um, strength of schedule for the QB position in fantasy. I'm just not really that concerned. I think this offense is good, and I, I believe in the talent and the supporting cast. Running backs, I'm not touching this running back group for fantasy. I mentioned my concerns with Elijah Mitchell being able to hold on to the job. It's not about talent. It's just about the fact that Kyle Shanahan consistency, consistently has shown zero loyalty to his running backs or even his receivers. Like He doesn't give a shit what your name is, what kind of draft pick he spent on you, or how much money you're making. Like Everyone on his offense is a nameless gray face that he just wants to produce. So he is willing to put guys like Trent Sherfield in the lineup over Brandon Ayuk when Ayuk is not performing well, just like he did last year. And he's willing to play a guy like Elijah Mitchell, an undrafted free agent making the fucking rookie minimum ahead of a guy that he drafted in the third round. Because you know what? Mitchell's playing better than Trey Sermon, so fuck Trey Sermon. He also doesn't tolerate fumbling. So... It's a thing where, you know, it's very much he's going with the hot hand, and that's just too much of a risk for me to take Elijah Mitchell. He was going as high as the fourth round. Uh, he's dropped a little bit in ADP over the last month or so. 53 overall off the board, running back 24. Look, the running back in the Shanahan offense is one of the most valuable assets you can have in fantasy football. That said, maybe not as run heavy this year with the upgrade at QB, and I mentioned there's just so much volatility and exposure to being replaced. I'd rather just kind of sit back and monitor this backfield. If I'm wrong about Elijah Mitchell, I'm wrong about it. Oh, well. 
Um, hopefully you got another back that can pick up that load for your fantasy team. And then if there is a transition, if there is an injury, if somebody's just getting more snaps at some point in the season, you pay attention to that and you try and you know, take advantage on your waiver wire. But I'm just not going to draft any 49ers running back like making the assumption that he's going to have the job at the end of the year. We just haven't seen it in recent history, and I have too much of a, a risk, uh, you know, concerns there um, that it's going to happen. So wide or excuse me, running back 24 off the board this year, was being undrafted last year, again, buried on the depth chart, nobody knew his name, finished running back 26 last year in 12 starts, running back 20 in points per game. Again, that goes to show you the running back for the 49ers is a very efficient and effective uh, you know, asset to have in the fantasy game at RB20 and points per game, but there's just too much volatility in the backfield. Uh, their strength of schedule is 30th for the running backs, and when you take into account, again, I think maybe a little bit more pass-heavy this offseason, maybe some touchdowns around the goal line being vultured by Trey Lance. I'm not in love with this situation. Jeff Wilson's the second running back on the depth chart he's not being drafted running back 75 this year wasn't being drafted last year finished rb 76 last year in nine games played 75th in points per game there's just nothing really to dive into here um, as far as jeff wilson you know small sample size we can talk elijah mitchell's metrics to show you again what the value of the starting running back is for this team he finished top 12 45 percent of the time last year it was the 12th most excuse me 10th most consistent rb1 finish um, he finished top 24, 54.5% of the time, 22nd most consistent because he wasn't really having that many of those mediocre RB2 weeks, only uh, one finish as an RB2. But still, he was the 22nd most consistent RB uh, top 24, and he had that top 12 upside pretty consistently in 45% of his games. Um, he finished RB3 27% and busted outside of the top 36 18%. So a pretty low bust rate as well. It's what you want to see. Again, just to highlight, the starting running back for the 49ers is someone you want, but it's very difficult to project who that will be for an entire 17 games. Okay, wide receivers, really two guys to break down here. I mentioned there's a lot of ambiguity there, but this team doesn't generally run three receiver sets all that often. Debo Samuel and, and uh, Brandon Ayuk are the two guys, and I like um, the potential for both of them this year. I mentioned the passing game should be better. Debo is a bit of a freak. He showed that last year. Ayuk, I think I, I'm maybe more interested in drafting him because he doesn't cost nearly what Debo does, but let's look at the numbers. Debo being drafted 23rd overall, wide receiver 8. Last year finished the wide receiver 3 for fantasy in 16 games played, 3rd in points per game. You got him in your drafts at 87 overall, wide receiver 35. So he really was a league winner for a lot of people who drafted Debo last year. He slipped so far in the drafts because he wasn't able to stay healthy his first two years. Last year just absolutely killing it. I have um, some concerns for regression with Debo. I do think he's an excellent player. I've been a believer in his talent since he was drafted. Uh, he was taken second round by the 49ers ahead of some pretty notable names. Um, and I, I, you know, he's just, he's looked good in times, but unable to stay healthy. Last year, he finally stays healthy and he dominates. He has a big third year breakout candidate. My issues or just concerns is that he's being drafted in those top, you know, two or three rounds. And a lot of his fantasy production, I think, was based on rushing last year. And 
I just don't know. I, he'll get some touches this year. I don't think it will be as much. Um, he scored, a, I think, six rushing touchdowns uh, last season, which is obviously a lot for a, a fantasy um, wide receiver. Uh, so I'm trying to look up the stats just so I can get exactly the numbers here. And my bad for not pulling that up ahead of time, guys. But I just don't think he'll be used as heavily in the running game. Uh, really, part of the reason he was getting pounded on the ground so hard was because, uh, again, all the injuries at the running back position. Debo had the second um, second most rushing yards for this team last year. 365 rushing yards on 59 attempts, and he scored eight rushing touchdowns. Okay, that's not happening again. That is 100% not happening again. He only had six touchdowns through the air, so double over doubled his touchdowns. He had 14 touchdowns last year, but only six receiving. He's just not going to have eight rushing touchdowns again. I don't see a top three finish for him. He had 77 receptions on 1,400 yards. I mean, that's very good. But, you know, if you give a guy 77, 1,406, and then you take eight rushing touchdowns away from him, and I, you're talking more of like a top 10, you know, top eight receiver than a top three. So I'm not sure he returns on that. That being said, he's being drafted wide receiver eight this year, so it's not like he's going as a first-round pick. Maybe it's fair. I just uh, I have my concerns with, again, the rushing regression. Last year he finished – Top 12, 56.3% of his games. It was the second best top 12 consistency rate. He was also the second most consistent top 24 receiver at 75% of his games. Um, he finished wide receiver 2, 18%. Finished wide receiver 3, 18%. And only busted outside of the top 36 once last year. Again, I think that's part of the built-in rushing up, you know, upside. Where games where he wasn't getting the receptions, he was still scoring you a rushing touchdown. So... I don't know if that's there this year. Brandon Ayuk is going pretty late in your drafts. Uh, he was a guy that was being actually drafted ahead of Debo last year, wide receiver 23 off the boards in the uh, sixth or seventh round, uh, as opposed to Debo being wide receiver 35. This year, that's totally flipped. Ayuk is going 97 overall, wide receiver 43. And I think that's a great value. I don't see how he finishes outside the top 40 receivers if he stays healthy this year in this offense. He finished the wide receiver 35 last year despite not really being used for almost half the season. Um, he was the wide receiver 59 in points per game, but really I don't think that fully tells the tale. He really had a great stretch over the final few weeks of the season there. Really started getting more snap counts, kind of got his way out of the Shanahan doghouse. And I think it's going to be a thing where, again, with losing Trent Sherfield, I don't know if the wide receiver room is as deep this year. I mentioned I'm optimistic about Danny Gray, but a lot of kind of uh, – vague you know target share there maybe up for grabs and I think Ayuk he's looked great in training camp I have been you know I'm not going to lie the Instagram videos the social media content about Trey Lance to Brandon Ayuk in training camp has caught my attention I'm going to buy into the bullshit and the hype there but Ayuk's a guy very talented had a great rookie season there was a lot of optimism last year he just got in the Shanahan doghouse looks like he got out of the doghouse over the second half of the season so I think at wide receiver 43 in the 10th round, you should absolutely take a shot on him. Um, he is, uh, excuse me, as we look at metrics, you know, again, last year, big step backwards, busted outside of the top 36 over half his games, 53%, only finished top 12, 12% uh, 12 of his games. 
That was twice on the year, tied for 46 best. Uh, only a top 24 finish in 23.5% of his games. But again, he was being outsnapped by Trent fucking Sherfield. I just don't think that happens this year. Um, maybe Danny Gray wants to take over. And Ayuk, I, I just don't think Ayuk, um, he's a former first round pick. I don't see him having as horrible of a season or having as limited a snap count as he did last year. So I think he's real value in drafts. I like Ayuk at his draft cost. And then George Kittle. Gotta say I'm out on George Kittle this year, unfortunately. I do think, you know, there's certainly potential for him to continue to be a top four tight end for fantasy. That's where he's being drafted is tight end four, 38th overall. I've just mentioned anytime we talk about these tight ends going early in your drafts, I'm just not interested. I think there's too much of a risk. I'd rather take a, a running back or a receiver in the third round than take a tight end. Um, you're basically drafting him at his ceiling in that scenario. Uh, last year being drafted tight end three, 30th overall, he finished the tight end four, 14 games played, fourth in points per game. He's got the 12th easiest schedule for tight ends this year. I got to say, as a guy who had George Kittle on his team, it didn't feel really like he was that great because he would, in my opinion, he was more boomer bust than even his consistency metrics are indicating. Apparently, he was the fourth most consistent top six tight end at 50% of his games and the fourth most consistent top 12 at 57%. Um, he was a tight end two, 14.3% of the time, and then busted outside of the top 24, 28% of the time. I remember that 28% being more like 40%. And I guess that is indicated by his, uh, finishes outside of the top 12. But <clears throat> for me, it was, a, it was a thing where I was pretty frustrated with Kittle last year. I really only felt like I got a couple of boom weeks out of him and, it was almost like every other week I had to figure out if his ankle was going to be okay. I love Kittle. I think he's absolutely a freak talent. I think he's the best run-blocking tight end in the NFL by a great margin, and he's, his ability to do shit after the catch is fantastic. His inability to stay healthy, the fact that I think this offense maybe is shifting towards being facilitated more through Debo and Ayuk and less through Kittle, in my opinion, just based on the quarterback change and, and what I've seen kind of from these receivers over the last few years versus Kittle being used more in the run game. Again, I'm just not really loving the draft cost, but I think Kittle, he's one of my favorite players to watch. He's one of my favorite players to listen to in interviews. He's an awesome guy. Uh, I'm not in on the draft capital with a, a guy who has had injury risks and maybe doesn't see as high of a target share in the offense this year. It's just my opinion, but that's all you get on this show. That's it. This was a fun episode for me. We really picked up the pace. I'm kind of proud of myself for keeping this at 45 minutes. Um, 10 minutes shorter than our Cardinals episode. I was not expecting to go for a full 55 on that. Shout out Sammy Hagar. But that's our 49ers episode. I'm going to continue to monitor these lines and look for some futures. That 16-1 to 1 on the Super Bowl, honestly... I could see myself having a Super Bowl ticket on this team. That 16 to 1 range seems right for me. Again, I think it's a pretty big indicator at the sports books uh, faith in this team to stay a contender and stay, you know, a, a high upside contender despite the quarterback transition. So, um, yeah, pay attention to the preseason, pay attention to what's going on here, watch those Trey Lance highlights. Um, I'm excited for this team. Let's hope they can stay healthy. Other than that, I'm going to wrap this up. We're doing the Seahawks tomorrow, and we're going to finish the NFC West. After that, only two more divisions. Still got those pesky Browns to do, but that's a, a story for another day. So thank you for listening, guys. I'm out of here. Ramble on.